I'm Sham. And I'm Steph. Most parents want to make sure our children want for nothing. We all know the act of paying it forward, and usually that consists of buying the person behind you in line a cup of coffee, or giving a few bucks to someone in need. Today, I want to tell you a story about one mother who accepted a helping hand that came with fatal consequences. On the evening of June 21st of 2013 in Jacksonville, Florida, Rain Periwinkle took her three daughters, eight-year-old Cherish, five-year-old Destiny, and four-year-old Nevaeh, to the local Dollar General store to run some errands. The goal of the shopping trip was to get some new clothes for Cherish, who would be flying out to see her father, Billy Giroux, the following morning all the way in San Diego, California. Cherish's mother and father divorced back in 2010, and Rain was awarded primary custody over her. At this time, Rain and her boyfriend, Aaron Pearson, were struggling to make ends meet, and often took a taxi to get from place to place. Aaron gave Rain $100 that day, but it cost $60 to take Cherish to the airport by taxi, so she only had $40 to spend on clothes. They went an hour at the Dollar General, trying to get the most of what they had. Rain even came across a black dress with polka dots she wanted to get for one of her daughters, but after double-checking with the clerk, she found out it wasn't on sale. After grabbing a couple things, the shopping trip seemed unsuccessful, and around 8.30, she decided it was time for her and the girls to head home. That's rough. Kids rarely understand why they can't have what they want in those situations. Yeah, this is why more people need to donate clothing or old toys to families in need. Literally anything can put a smile on a kid's face. Absolutely. So what did she do? Once outside the store, Rain noticed a man with white hair and a matching white beard, who looked to be an average man in his 50s. She remembered him from the store as one of the people standing behind her at the checkout stand. She would later admit that he gave her a weird feeling because he wouldn't stop staring at her as she was paying. He approached her and said, If you really want that dress, I'll buy it for you. You look like you have your hands full, and I have a couple little ones. It seemed like he really wanted to help her from the kindness of his heart, and this gave Rain a sense of relief. The guy looked like he could be her father, and she felt silly for judging him in the first place. He went on to say that he was waiting for his wife to arrive, and they had a $150 Walmart gift card, and that they didn't have any use for it and offered it to her. She obviously needed it more than he did. Unfortunately, his wife was the one with the card, so they would have to wait until she got there. At this time, Rain was as happy as a person who finds a random $100 bill on the ground. She needed that gift card and was extremely grateful for this random but kind gesture from a man she just met. Rain decided to stay and talk with him until his wife arrived, but as time passed, it began raining and the kids became restless. He knew that Rain didn't have a car, so he offered to drive them to the local Walmart and told her his wife would just meet them there instead. At first, Rain hesitated, but he had shared so much about himself, his occupation, stories about his life, and even offered to share his driver's license. She was low on cash for a taxi, and the weather would have been hard for the kids to bear. At this point, he seemed non-threatening, and even the kids felt comfortable with him. So she eventually accepted, loaded up her purchases in his trunk, herself, and the kids into the van, and off they went. Nope. Nope. 
<laughs> Never trust anyone. I know it sounds cynical, but if we have learned anything from researching all of these cases, it's that you can never tell someone's true character just because they seem nice. Plus, he's literally driving the stereotype pedophile van. Like a white van girl? Make it make sense. (laughs) I get that she wanted the gift card, especially in her position. But your wife can meet us there, or I'll just have to miss the opportunity. Right? That is a line you do not cross. Where did he take them? Did he actually make it to Walmart? The Walmart they were headed to was about 10 minutes from the Dollar General. Rain figured she would start shopping once they got there. That way, by the time the wife arrives, they would be ready to check out. Rain sat up front with the man while her three children sat in the back, and on the way there, the man introduced himself as Don and said he was 57 years old. He shared that his wife was from the Virgin Islands, and even let her know the car she would be driving to meet them is gold. Once they arrived, the girls were eager to start shopping, and as Rain was helping her daughters get out of the car, Don made a call, and from the sounds of it, he was making dinner plans with his wife. They waited a little while longer in the parking lot for his wife, but Don took notice of the girls' impatience and told them to go inside and start shopping, and he would meet them in the little girl section. Since she was planning on coming back to the car, she left all her items from the Dollar General and personal items in the car as she took the girls in to start shopping. On the Walmart security cameras, Rain is seen in the little girl's section with her cart, and inside the cart she has three piles of clothing, one for Destiny, Nevaeh, and Cherish. After what seemed like forever, Don joined them, but he was alone. When Rain asked him where his wife was, he simply responded with, She's coming. So they continued shopping with Don nearby. I have such a bad feeling about this. Right. He's dragging this whole gift card thing out. And I wouldn't even continue shopping until I had that card in hand. Me either. Don even started shopping for himself and placed a large bundle of green and black corded rope into the cart. Cherish, being eight years old, wanted to look around herself. So her mother let Don accompany her down a few aisles and he helped her pick out a pair of shoes. Once she brought them back to her mother, she refused to purchase them. Not because they were too expensive, but because they were women's shoes, specifically high heels, and were not age-appropriate for her daughter. So Don helped Cherish put the shoes back, and Rain continued shopping. After one hour and Don's wife still not showing up, Rain grew anxious. She was nervous that the offer would expire if Don eventually got tired of waiting for his wife. However, Don shared that he was totally fine and she and the girls can take their time. The girls were going hungry though, and Don took notice and made another offer. This time it was to buy the girls dinner at the McDonald's located inside the Walmart. Cherish even ran up to her mom and said Don told her he had a $150 McDonald's gift card. When Cherish asked her mom what she wanted, Rain requested cheeseburgers. Don made his way to the front of the store and Cherish ran after him. Since the store was full of cameras and people, Rain didn't see any harm in it. Even though Don didn't stop to ask permission to take Cherish, it wasn't alarming to Rain. No, no, no. So many red flags. The rope? The high heels for a little girl? Supposed $150 gift cards for everything? No, this is crazy. This is a complete stranger. No matter what kindness he's offering... Never let your children go off with a stranger, ever. I don't care if it's one aisle over. There's video footage of kids getting snatched in a matter of seconds. I mean, look at episode 18. James was taken while his mom was paying for bread. 
And he was standing right next to her. This is not okay. Not at all. She continued shopping with Neve and Destiny as they waited for them to come back with the cheeseburgers. Around 11 p.m., the store made their last call to the customers over the intercom and asked for everyone to bring their final purchases to the front to check out. Rain had lost track of time and didn't realize how long she had been shopping, so she packed up the girls and headed towards the front of the store to meet Don, Cherish, and hopefully his wife. She knew she didn't have any money for anything she picked out, and that gift card was all she could rely on. Once she approached the front of the store, she immediately noticed the McDonald's. The lights were off, the restaurant was closed, and the gate was already down. If that wasn't concerning enough, there was no sign of Cherish or Dawn. She then ran to the registers, hoping to see them with the gift card and that bag of cheeseburgers Dawn had promised. When she didn't see them, panic set in, and she knew something was terribly wrong. She didn't hesitate to ask for help from the Walmart employees. She immediately started screaming that her daughter had been kidnapped and someone needed to call 911. No one seemed to have the same urgency as her, though, and it didn't seem like anyone was taking her accusation seriously. That is terrifying. The second she saw everything was closed and they were nowhere to be seen, she must have immediately realized how dangerous it was to have trusted that man. I can understand the Walmart employee's hesitation, though. They were probably like, how is that even possible? But damn, at least just call the police for her, false alarm or not. Yeah, she must have been losing her mind. Rain began searching the store by running up and down each aisle, hoping to bump into her little girl. At 11.18 p.m. when the store was officially closed, an employee brought her a phone to use to call 911. I'm going to play the actual call Cherish's mother made that night. The silences are redacted names of the victims. That Walmart, I'm in been taken. What do you mean? Taken by a stranger. I can't find her. Okay, ma'am, how old is... And you say you have the Walmart on Lim Turner? Yes, I am. Okay, when was... Where did you last see her at? Walmart. I met a man today at Dollar General. He saw that I was struggling to buy them some clothes. He drove us here to buy us some clothes and the only reason I went with him because she said his wife was going to be here because I told him I don't take rides with strangers. Okay, ma'am. What? Yes. And her her last name? Can you spell that for me, please? And is she a white female, black female? Excuse me? Is she a white or black female? What color? What color? I don't remember what clothes she's wearing because I'm panicking right now. I'm trying not to panic. Okay, and she was last seen with this man? Yes. He went. To, he said he was going to McDonald's and he, he hasn't been there because the store is closed right now. Okay, is he a white man or a black man? A white man. He's got white short hair and he's got dark eyebrows. You say dark dark short hair? No, he's got white hair and dark eyebrows. I had a strange feeling about him when I first met him and he took her to the he took her to the to, to the dressing room twice. And I was hoping that she would be okay. 
and I was looking at the shoes. And I didn't want him to think that I was overly protective, freaking out. But now they're not here. And I find it very odd because he knew that. Oh, okay, ma'am. What color vehicle does he drive? It's a white van. But do you remember any stickers or anything on the side of the van? Anything that you can remember at all? Did it have tenant windows or anything? I know he's got carpet in the van. I didn't take a good look. Sorry. And he, he said what? I didn't take a good look at the van. Okay. Do you remember what? Did you see any tag on it or anything? Was no. it a Florida tag? No, I didn't look at that. I feel like a fool. Okay, can you remember what he had on? No, I don't remember anything because I'm panicking right now. Okay, ma'am, what's your name? My name He said his name is Dawn. He said he was supposed to meet his wife here, and his wife never showed up, and I couldn't figure out why. His wife didn't even show up at Dollar General. And he told you that y'all were going to meet his wife at um, the Walmart? Yes. First, she was supposed to show up at Dollar General, and then he was going to meet with her at at Walmart. And we've been here probably two hours, and she didn't show up. And I ha had this cart full of clothes that he said he was going to pay for with a hundred dollar gift card. And I, excuse me, I I had a bad feeling. I thought, well, I feel like pinching myself because this is too good to be true. So I got to the checkout. He's not here. He isn't here. Now I'm hoping he's not raping her right now, because I've had that done to me. It's not. It's not fun. Please, She's supposed to go to California in the morning. Through the plane, and he knows this. I told him this. He knew when the store was closing. <laughs> I had a bad feeling about him. Okay, how long have you been looking for him? When was the last time you saw him? How long ago? About half an hour ago. About so you've been looking for her for a half an hour? Yes. There's nobody in the store. And he knew the store was closing. He said he was going to McDonald's. She went with him. I should have told her to stay with me. He was going to the McDonald's inside the store? Yes, there's a McDonald's inside the store. He wasn't here. Oh, somebody said they saw him, but he's not here. He should have had the the uh, the nerve to stand here and wait. He must know that I'm panicking by now. Okay, ma'am, where are you in the store now? Are you outside or where? No, I'm in the front of the store. I think I need to hang up because... Uh, no, ma'am, uh, are you a white female, black female? What shirt five, do you have on? Five eight. What color shirt do you have on? I have on a short black polka dot dress and brown flip-flop sandals. I have long red hair. And you're right in front of the store? Excuse me? Who are you talking to? A Walmart employee there. They're talking to my girls because I haven't had anything to eat. What'd you say, ma'am? 
I haven't had anything to eat, so the Walmart employee was talking to my girls. Talking to your who? My girls. Okay, you have more kids with you? Yes, I have two. My other ones, I think he, t I think he took her. Okay, ma'am, you ha You think she's been taken. You say you yes. have other kids with you? Yes, I do. He was, he was, uh, he was giving too much attention. He wanted her to buy these really tall shoes that were women's shoes, and I told him no. I said, they're too high for her. I wouldn't even wear shoes that high. Maybe he was grooming her. I hope to God he doesn't kill her, and I hope to God he doesn't rape her. Okay, and when did you meet him today? I met him at Dollar General in Edgewood. I was struggling with my money to buy the girls some clothes, and he saw that I, what I was doing, and he waited for us outside the store. And he said that he was waiting on his wife to show up. And so I waited around to meet her, and she didn't show up. And then he said he was going to give us a ride over here to Walmart. And then we waited in the parking lot for maybe 20 minutes for her to show up. She didn't show up. So we all went into the store. We've been here about two hours. And she didn't show up. And I don't understand why he would leave right now unless he's got a rape or a killer. That's the only reason. And I'm wasting my time standing here. You're not wasting your time, ma'am. We have officers on their way to you. I can't remember what I'm wearing. Ooh. I need to sit down and be calm and close my eyes and try to remember what I'm wearing. Okay, ma'am, just stay in front of the store and then, and yes, try to think about what she's wearing and what he's wearing. So when the officers get there, you can tell them, okay? Yeah. Okay, can you think of anything else about the van or anything? Uh, it had a line around the van as if it were okay. maybe a metal, a, a metal, not a sticker, but maybe, I don't know how to explain. Like a, like a pinstripe? You remember what, no. color, what color the line was? I think it was dark, maybe like a silver. <laughs> and it and it had a big space in the middle of the van where he had taken out where he had taken out a couple of seats and he put my stroller in there or I put the stroller in there. <sighs> I don't want him to kill her. <laughs>
Can you remember anything else about him? Whenever you were talking to him, did he sound funny, like he had an accent or anything? Or He said he works for Haberjack. He said he worked for Haberjack? Yes. Did he say where they lived? No, I don't remember that. He said his wife is from the Virgin Islands. We had a little chat in the in the van on the way over. And did he say he lived on that side of town or anything? He said he, he didn't. He didn't know this part of town. He wasn't sure about this part of town. Gosh, he knows the store's closed. He knows McDonald's is closed. Why in the world would he take? I don't see the van in the in the parking lot or anything where y'all left it. Well, have you been outside to the parking lot? I went outside the door, but I don't I don't think I see the van. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, he took her. He took her away. Okay, who are you speaking with, ma'am? I'm speaking to a Walmart employee. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Are you outside now, ma'am? Yeah, there's two police officers out here, two police cars. Okay, go ahead and speak with officers. Thank you. That 911 call is really odd. She's not as frantic as I would have expected her to be. Like how she keeps talking about how she hopes he's not raping Cherish because that isn't fun. I mean, maybe she was in shock, but it's just really odd. Yeah, she said so much in that call that was actually quite bothersome. Like how much she felt was wrong with him, yet she still let her go with him. The High Hills incident should have been the end-all be-all. I completely agree. Always trust your instincts if someone gives you the creeps or something feels wrong. What happened when police got there? Though it only took 20 minutes after that 911 call for the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office to issue an alert to all officers to be on the lookout for Don and Cherish, when the police first arrived at the scene of the crime, the first suspect they had in their sights was Rain. After she told Detective Cullen about the custody battle her and her husband were in, they dismissed the child's abduction and immediately started questioning her. In the police report taken that night, there was a list of reasons why they were skeptical of her story. They wrote down things like, there was a total lack of tears when she appeared to be crying, and she repeated comments about Don taking her daughter to rape and murder with lack of emotion. While Rain was being questioned, other members of the homicide unit began scanning the surveillance footage from the time Rain and her children entered the Walmart and to the moment Don and Cherish left the building. In this footage, you're able to see both Cherish and Don walk past the registers, past the McDonald's, and out the Walmart entrance. After reviewing the parking lot cameras, they were able to see Don's car leaving, which we'll put up on our website for our conjurers to see. I can see why they would suspect Rain, especially with her odd reaction to the situation. It's hard to believe that a parent would just let their eight-year-old hang out with some random man you just met, but she really could just be an extremely naive person who made a big mistake. At least they did continue looking into the man she told them about. Yeah, I don't blame them at all. Did they figure out who this man was? Four hours after the 911 call was placed at 3.30 a.m., 
police officers were finally able to identify the man who abducted Cherish as Donald J. Smith, and he was everything but the man he presented to Rain and her daughters that evening. Steph will tell us more about who Donald really was after a short break. Donald James Smith was a registered sex offender that lived with his mother in the area. The 1998 white Dodge van he was driving belonged to her, and he had just been released from prison. Donald was only 13 when he committed his first of many crimes as a peeping Tom, but he got bolder as he got away with it. He was finally arrested in 1977 at the age of 21 for lewd and lascivious exhibition after he was caught masturbating in front of a 5- and 8-year-old girl that lived down the street from him. Even though this was Donald's first sex offense, the judge determined that he was likely to commit further offenses upon release. Two psychologists that worked for the jail even labeled him as mentally disordered offender. He was involuntarily committed to a treatment program in Gainesville, Florida, but due to his lack of motivation, rule-breaking, and missed therapy sessions, he was released citing his lack of progress. The doctors treating him wrote, and I quote, Smith has demonstrated little motivation to change his sexually deviant and generally antisocial behaviors. It is the consensus of staff that Mr. Smith has received the maximum benefit possible from this program, end quote. It was likely that Donald would continue to engage in deviant sexual behavior if released back into society. Though it was clear to everyone that he had no plans to change his ways, three years later, in 1980, Donald was released. Why would they let him out knowing he's a threat to society? Like, this man will be in the same area as some of these officials and healthcare workers' children and grandchildren. Yeah, I will never understand how someone can be involuntarily committed because of their disturbed actions, but if they refuse to participate or work on their issues, the doctors just throw up their hands like, oh well, release them back into society, I guess. (laughs) I truly don't understand the system sometimes. He obviously didn't learn from any of this. Oh, he continued being a menace to society and was constantly in and out of jail for small crimes, such as check fraud, battery, theft, and attempting to escape jail. There was a trend he kept, though. Donald would get arrested, accept a plea deal, then he would spend a few months in jail. Eventually, his crimes got more serious and more dangerous. For example, in June of 1992, he was sentenced to one day in jail because he was caught prowling behind a woman's house, crouched behind a doghouse inside her fenced yard. In October of 1992, four months later, 13-year-old Carrie Ann Buck was walking in her Southside neighborhood to meet up with a friend when Donald drove up to her in his mom's van. Donald asked her if she knew Susie, To which Carrie responded with no. He followed that question up with, do you go to Southside Middle School? And if she wanted a ride. And even though she did, she told him no to both. This sparked a rage in Donald, and he demanded she get into his van. At that point, Carrie knew she was in danger and started running towards the closest playground, with Donald right behind her. She ran into one of those tunnel slides and hid, fearing for her life. She would later testify in court, I was slipping. I was so afraid I was going to fall out and he was going to find me. Carrie was lucky to have had the instinct she needed to run as far as possible from Donald that day. 
However, that wasn't the last time she would deal with this real-life boogeyman. The following day, she would see Donald lurking outside her house, and he repeatedly made eye contact with her. That mistake cost him, as her family was able to get the tag number off his van and report it to police. Donald served six years in prison, pleading guilty to attempted kidnapping. It's honestly really sad that 13-year-old Carrie knew not to get into a stranger's van, but Rain not only put herself in one, but her little girls too. Yeah, someone should have taught Rain about stranger danger. (laughs) (laughs) So they released him again? Like, now what? Upon his release for that crime, he was once again thrown in jail for attempting to lure a child to McDonald's. This time, he posed as a welfare caseworker and asked the child sexual questions over the phone. He had only been released from prison for three weeks when he abducted Cherish. According to an employee at Shan's hospital, Donald had come in not long before he took Cherish, requesting help for his drug addiction to crack, and told the doctor that crack turns him into a monster. It was discovered that he was turned away at that time and continued to use crack cocaine, including the day he abducted Cherish. So this isn't the first time he's victimized McDonald's. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) While also using crack as an excuse for his twisted ways. I've never heard of crack turning someone into a pedophile. (laughs) This guy is just a total creep. Okay, so enough about this man. Nothing in his background makes me feel bad for him. He had a bad habit of hunting little girls and luring them. Take us back to the investigation. Since most child abductors murder their victims within three hours of taking them, the police knew it was a race against time and may already be too late. They began searching the area surrounding Walmart, nearby motels, RV parks, and the homes of known white male sex offenders. Five hours later, at 8.30 a.m., two women, Marquita and her daughter Christina Howard, called into the police station to report a suspicious van backed into the wood line near Highland Baptist Church. They reported this and then went home only to learn about the Amber Alert for Cherish. They immediately went back to the area only to find that the van was gone. Another bystander named Brenda Fillingham noticed the now-missing van too and even discussed it with Christina and Marquita. Brenda ended up driving to the police station to bring officers back to where the vehicle was, while Christina called back into the tip line to issue another report. Around 9 a.m., an officer that was working a traffic crash on Interstate 95 noticed a white van drive past her and recognized it as the same one she was told to be on the lookout for and called it in. Police immediately shut down the freeway and cornered Donald's van between Interstate 95 and Interstate 10. Hoping to not only arrest Donald, but save Cherish, who would still be with him, the officers drew their guns and told Donald to get out of the car and get on the ground. With his back against the wall, realizing there was no way out of this, Donald complied. He went on to tell them that Cherish jumped out of his car at a red light and ran from him. However, Officer Charlie Wilkie noticed that Donald's clothes were soaking wet, and his instincts told him that this meant they were looking for Cherish near a body of water. After arresting Donald and sending him to the station, Officer Charlie made his way to the church to help investigators check out the tip they received only 30 minutes earlier. Shout out to the three women that noticed something was off. 
I mean, the first two didn't even know the girl was missing. That was all gut instinct. Absolutely. Everyone needs to watch out for their community like those ladies. So what happened when Officer Charlie got to the church? Back at the church, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office K-9 team were searching the area for Cherish. Officer Charlie noticed a fresh set of tire tracks on the grass and directed his canine in that direction. It took less than a minute for him to spot Cherish, but she was lifeless and it was too late to save her. Her body was found in the marsh of Broward Creek. She was lying on her left side with half of her body underwater. She had been covered by a fallen log, rocks, grass, and a branch. According to the medical examiner and investigators on the scene, Cherish was still wearing the same orange dress from the surveillance footage, but it had been pulled up to her chest, and she was left completely naked from the chest down. The medical examiner found that Cherish had been brutally raped and had bruises covering her body. There was evidence of blunt force trauma to her face and head, but her cause of death was strangulation. Donald's DNA was found all over her body, including her neck, leaving no doubt in investigators' minds. Cherish never even had a chance the minute that man got her away from her mother. I can imagine the fear and confusion she had in her last moments. It's horrifying. Anyone that would do this to a child is a monster. I'm just glad he's finally behind bars, and since this is murder, I hope they actually keep him there. Okay, we'll get to that. But first, one week later, family, friends, and strangers would gather together for the funeral of Cherish Periwinkle. Cherish was born on December 24th of 2004, and according to her mother, Rain was the best Christmas gift she would ever get. She had big brown eyes and a smile that was contagious. She was full of life, full of love, and full of smiles. Cherish loved the color pink, watching Disney movies, swimming, and loved playing school with her younger sisters. She would often take the role of teacher and enjoyed guiding them and took pride in being their big sister. She was only eight years old and had just finished second grade. She had been looking forward to all she would learn in third grade when her life was taken from her. She sounds like a beautiful girl with so much to live for, and she also sounds like her sister's keeper. My older sister and I used to play school like that too. And she would teach me everything she was learning in school before I was even old enough to go. (laughs) Those little girls lost their sister and probably their best friend. Yeah, they definitely did. So tell me this man got everything he deserved. A grand jury indicted Donald on July 2nd, 2013 on kidnapping, rape, and murder charges. It wasn't until five years after the discovery of Cherish's body that the trial for Donald actually began on February 14th of 2018. The day of the trial, it took only 15 minutes of deliberation for a jury of eight women and four men to make a unanimous decision to find him guilty of first-degree murder, rape, and kidnapping. The jurors were ordered to return to the Duval County Courthouse Tuesday morning to begin the penalty phase. The jury would be faced with two choices. Either Donald would spend the rest of his life behind bars, or he would be sentenced to death. One year earlier, the Florida legislator amended its capital sentencing law, which required a unanimous jury recommendation, whereas before, a judge was able to make that call without a jury. On February 20th, 
the defense team's strategy wasn't to drag the trial on because it was clear that Donald was responsible for Cherish's death. Their only goal was to get the jury to spare his life based on his mental health issues. They called no witnesses, wouldn't even allow Cherish's mother to be cross-examined, and offered no closing arguments. A few things the defense team and state prosecutor went back and forth about were scans of Donald's brain that suggested a large part of his brain didn't function properly due to severe brain trauma. Though they didn't have evidence of a serious traumatic event in his life that could have caused this. The defense argued that this deformity may have caused him to be dangerous, altering his ability to control his impulses, lack empathy, and added to his sexually devious behavior. They also brought up the fact that Donald reached out for help by asking to be admitted to Shan's hospital during the time after his release before the murder. They could not blame this on Shan's hospital. He didn't tell them he was about to go kill a little girl if he didn't get help. I have a feeling they made up a severe brain trauma, too. This guy deserves no more passes. Some people are just monsters, plain and simple. He didn't try very hard to not kidnap and murder a little girl. No more passes. What else did they say about him? Similar to his diagnosis from the 70s, during his trial for Cherish, forensic psychologist Heather Holmes diagnosed Donald with an antisocial disorder, borderline personality disorder, clinical depression, severe cocaine disorder, and pedophilia disorder. The state prosecutor, Melissa Nelson, made sure to lay out all the facts of this case, including his history of rape, kidnapping, drug addiction, and now the murder of Cherish. She was determined to get Donald sent to death row, reminding the jury that Cherish was murdered in an attempt to silence her from telling anyone about the rape. She added what happened to that little girl was unnecessarily torturous, and Cherish struggled through the entire process. The images shown at the trial to the jury included Cherish's naked body with severe injuries to her private areas, as well as skin removed from the front of her throat to show just how deep the bruising was around her trachea. I'm not a fan of the death penalty, but I'm also not a fan of child killers and pedophiles. The prison hierarchy tends to have their own way of dealing with this kind once he's locked up for life. Oh, they definitely put dolls who harm children on another level than the rest of them. I don't think his time in there will be an easy one after this. During the entire trial, Donald showed no emotions and seemed to be enjoying the media attention he was receiving. He even had the audacity to say that Cherish was asking to be murdered the moment she got into his van. All of this was noted by the jury, who were not taking this case lightly. That morning, the jury requested that Donald be given the capital sentence. Shortly after, Circuit Judge Mallory Cooper addressed the courtroom and said the following words, Donald Smith, you have not only forfeited your right to live among us, you have forfeited your right to life at all. Her voice then cracked before concluding, May God have mercy on your soul. On February 20th of 2018, 61-year-old Donald was sentenced to death for the murder of 8-year-old Cherish Periwinkle. I still can't believe he tried to blame it on Cherish, and his actions in the courtroom speak volumes. If they would have released him, he would have once again went after another innocent child. Probably immediately, if his past was any indication. Right. So, where's her family now? One month after Cherish was abducted, raped, and murdered, her younger sisters, Destiny and Nevaeh, 
were removed from their mother's home. It was for the safety of the girls due to the horrific crime that occurred under their mother's supervision. Rand had 12 months to fight to get her girls back, but she didn't meet the criteria and the state had no choice but to put them up for adoption. The system typically seeks out family members willing to adopt children in an effort to keep them with family they know. In this case, Rain's sister took them in. They have been officially adopted and live with their aunt, uncle, and cousin. So you know how we both feel about judging others' parenting, but if Rain really did have all those mixed feelings about Dawn that day, she shouldn't have put all three of her daughters in that position, and she shouldn't have left Cherish alone with him. Cameras can't stop a pedophile from pursuing your child. I feel so bad for her. But yeah, she definitely made some seriously poor choices. Yeah, that totally sucks for her. (sighs) So tell me, did Donald accept his fate? Well, last year in December of 2020, Donald acted on his right to appeal his conviction. In Florida, every death sentence case is automatically submitted for appeal. Senior Assistant Attorney General Charmaine Millsaps pointed out the long period between the murder and the trial, stating that there were over four years between this crime and the jury selection. It was stated that a change of venue should have been granted due to the media attention of the case in Duval County. They also brought up the graphic images shown during the trial because it was argued that by showing these images to the jury, it would shock them and inflame their passions, increasing the emotional likelihood of the death penalty ruling. Which simply meant that due to the jurors or any potential jurors having four years to research this case and read the headlines, they couldn't be trusted to hand out the death penalty on this case. However, DNA evidence and surveillance footage was all the proof they needed. Any rational jury would have convicted Donald of kidnapping, sexual battery, and murder based on the DNA evidence and the videotape without being shown a single photograph. His appeal was denied, and Donald will remain on death row on the Florida Union. I don't think the media played as big as a role as his team thinks. If a parent even sees a stranger watching kids on a playground without having one of their own, they're going to judge you. What he did was beyond that. Yeah, I don't think it would have mattered. What he did was horrific, and any jury would have agreed. Donald Smith's story isn't about a system that failed. It's about a system that continued to fail. He was the definition of a predator, and people with authority decided to overlook that. His longtime criminal career ended in the tragic abduction, rape, and murder of 8-year-old Cherish Periwinkle a little girl whose mother trusted a stranger that took advantage of her struggles. A stranger whose motives were set in stone the minute he laid eyes on her little girls. Thanks to the help of the community being on the lookout for this man, they can sleep knowing there's one less predator on the streets of Jacksonville. Sadly, it's too late to save Cherish, but there are others out there that we need to be on the lookout for. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children offers a variety of resources, including the distribution of pictures and posters of missing children nationwide. They also provide information and technical assistance to citizens and communities. In addition, they provide training, technical assistance, and technical support to state missing children's clearinghouses and to state and local law enforcement agencies. For more information on current missing children, go to www.missingkids.com or call 1-800-THE-LOST. 
That's 1-800-843-5678. To view images, information, and sources from this case, visit our website at crimeandconjure.com. Research and writing for this episode was done by Stefan Sham. Editing of this episode was done by Denver Fortner Productions with music by Jordan Molina. Be sure to check out our Instagram at Crime and Conjure Podcast for our question of the week. Sham, what's our conjure tip of the week? Today I want to talk about lighting a purple candle. Purple is a color known for mystery and magic. It can be associated with psychic abilities, ancient wisdom, and spiritual awakenings. It's also the color of your third eye chakra, where the inner eye and psychic vision reside. Aside from the benefits it offers like reducing stress and insomnia, Lighting one of these in your sacred space and letting it slowly burn out can help enhance your intuition, allowing you to recognize things that are no longer for you and things to avoid. I knew purple was my favorite color for a reason. (laughs) We could all use a little more of that kind of energy in our lives. Okay, Conjurers, we'll be back next week with another episode. Until Until next time, time, stay stay vigilant, vigilant, Conjurers. Conjurers.